This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hi, thank you for joining us. My name is Bruce Norris, and today we have a very special guest, John Stevenson. John Stevenson is an entrepreneur, business owner, real estate investor, a personal competitor of mine and a friend for a very long time. And I think what maybe John does not realize is that he has often been the inspiration for me to reach beyond what I had envisioned for my own life. So, John, welcome to our show. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Uh, you know, we met over 35 years ago. I was selling electrical supplies and uh, door knocked your company at the time you were working out of, out of your home. Yes. And uh, I want to start a little bit further back than that. Um, you always struck me as kind of an entrepreneur and a bit of a risk taker. So I was just curious, was there someone in your life that modeled that for you? Well, I would have to say, of course, my mom and dad. Um, from the very beginning, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was selling uh, horse manure. Uh, when I was six years old, we lived in Rubido, and I would gather that up in a gunny bag and knock on people's doors. And Are you serious? At yep. six years old? Yeah. Okay, well. And then uh, well, but my I'm... grandpa had made me a tent in the backyard because okay. they were doing a track of new homes. So mom would take me down to the dairy there and drive through dairy in Rubido, and I'd get popsicles for, oh, I don't know, three cents a piece, sell them for ten. <laughs> 10 cents and you know making a killing so that's kind of where it started yeah okay but okay that's not too many six-year-olds do that so i mean did you sort of invent this in or did you see a model and say okay i'm going to be just like them i think you got permission to do it but it sounds like it sounds like a lot of this stuff came from from you well i don't know if i got permission or not because i know my parents were surprised when the when a neighbor started calling him, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that makes perfect sense to me. It really yeah. does, but that's why that's why I asked the question. I I knew there was somewhere. I didn't know you started at six selling manure. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's that's a good story. Um, so what did you do in in high school? What, what kind of work did you do then? Well, prior to high school, um, there was another stage that. It was a friend of my dad's that drove a Corvette, uh -huh. and uh, he was a bodybuilder, and it just, something clicked when I was eight years old, and uh, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want a, I want a Corvette, <laughs> and he got down on his uh, knee and looked me right in the eyes and said, Son, when you're 16, you have a valid driver's license, and you could pay cash for it. I don't see any reason why not, <laughs> so, <laughs> and the cash part just went right through my ears, just like, you know, I'm going to be 16 someday. <sighs> Excuse me, I got a little bit of a cold. Okay. So I started mowing yards, uh, lived in the, the wood streets uh, for $3 a pop front and back. And then by my 20, when I, by my 16th birthday, I'd saved up $2,200. Uh, and dad lived up to his end, took me down to a place called Drag Street in Pasadena and bought a Corvette at 16 and same day got my driver's license. <laughs> I 
that's a cool story, John. I didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah. When, when did you stop selling the manure? Was that a, after eight? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we all still do that today. <laughs> no, I think that's a that's a fantastic story, and it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Now, did you go to college? Um, just that technical classes at RCC, some air conditioning classes, but okay. in answer to your question, no. Okay. Well, you know, I did I started out at DeVry, I take that back, uh, in electronics, which gave me enough experience, uh, Ohm's Law, what have you, to pass a test at a major manufacturer, UARCO, who printed business forms. So I got hired on there and uh, just started doing more projects for for employees and friends that uh, was working more than 40 hours a week, just couldn't do a good job at both. You know what I mean? Right. Did you, were you employed by a business for any long length of time? Yeah, I was employed by Uarco. for Uarco. six years. Okay. For six years? Yes. And how old were you when you ended that? Um, I think I was 21, 22. When you went there or when you left? When I left. Okay. So, geez, you worked there from 16 on. Okay. So after you left the, that, what did you do? Well, in 78, I got my uh, contractor's license. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Lee Townsend, uh, he was the president, vice president of construction for Citizens, uh, the bank. And he said, John, I've got this project down in Newport I want you to do. So he took me down there. I looked at it, and I said, Lee, there's no way I can do this on the weekends and nights. And he said, well, just quit. Just quit. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, thought about it, and that's what I ended up doing. At, and, okay, and you're 20, 20 what, 22? Early 20s, yeah. Wow, Okay. Uh, you're, you're not married at this time. So you're, you're single. Is that accurate? Correct. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's not a decision most people would do. Most people are going to do a job. So literally from that age, did you have, have you had jobs where you were an employee after that? Um, no, after that, that was it. I was on my own. Okay. Um, you know, What's interesting, and again, I don't think you appreciate the influence that you've had in my life, and it's been subtle, and it's sort of like we've been, we've been friendly competitors in a, in a lot of different things, but a lot of times you would do stuff first. So when we first met, uh, you owned a business and I was an employee, and uh, to be honest with you, that seed was planted for me, and 10 years later, I started the Norris Group, but you know, I didn't do that. I didn't start the Norris Group for... I mean, quite a long time. That was 1995. But every time that I, I saw you do something, for whatever reason, it sort of got on my list. And I can't explain why you've had that effect on me, but you have. Interesting. I know what clicked for me was when you were knocking on my door when I lived at Raintree. And uh, you'd come by and take off the drawings, the electrical drawings, give me a bid on it. And I think you'd done that two or three times. And... On the third time, when I escorted you out, um, you were on the other side of the door. You just stopped and gently turned around, looked me in the eyes, and and uh, said, um, "Do you think 
you and I will ever do any business. <laughs> and I, I'm sure I told you what you wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, just a matter of time. But when I closed the door, it just really hit me. I said, nobody's said to myself, nobody's really asked me for my business like that before. <laughs> and it, it connected with me. Yeah, I think it's a lot so, like you. That's kind of funny because I've watched you. Your, your greatest strength, I only have one other friend that I can relate this to. I, I have a friend, Alex Navarro, and, and you, uh, that get people to do things they wouldn't do for anyone else. And it's, a, it's an amazing skill to watch and play. Sometimes I just sit, I sit back. Uh, I've had a little bit more experience with Alex because uh, I spent more time with him. But when he gets told no by, to somebody uh, or by somebody, it's hilarious because I just sit there and go, okay, wow, watch, what's on, <laughs> watch what unfolds, man. We're going to get the yes somehow. But sometimes it's, I love it. it's pretty creative. Yeah, and I've seen you do the same thing. We've been on the job site before, and I remember thinking, wow, that's a pretty powerful skill I'm, wa- I'm watching there. Um, oh, thank you. When, uh, when we also met, you were on Rain Tree, and you just told me a little bit of, uh, yesterday. How did you get the down payment uh, to purchase the, that house? I had a, an old GMC pickup truck, and uh, it ended up buying a camper that had been in a fire, wasn't destroyed, but it was pretty well damaged. Bought that for a song, rehabbed it, and then I sold that, made a couple thousand dollars profit on it, and this was back in the oh, early 80s, I guess, and uh, gave me enough of a down payment uh, to purchase my first home. That was on Raintree. Yeah. But now you had been in Raintree for a while because I, I think pretty shortly after I met you, you sort of had a, a building lot that you were going to build a, a custom home on. What, what year was that? Do you remember that? Well, I, it's real easy to remember because it was 1983, the year my daughter was born. The day my daughter, my younger daughter was born is the day that we broke ground um, on the residence. Okay. Eighty-three. So. Yeah, you and I have known each other for a long time, man. And started uh, flying lessons all in that same day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> now, part part of how you put that together, you had uh, you had started to do barter. So how did how did bartering enter into the picture to to complete that new house? Well, I've always always loved barter. Smarter to barter, they say. <laughs> but I belonged to two professional clubs, and then plus did some you know, one-on-one with customers that I'd had in the electrical trade and um, ended up building that residence on, uh, on Crest. Uh, I would say probably 65, 70% was trade just by getting on the phone, talking to different, different people. If I needed a framer, I would call them uh, plumber, same thing. And somehow got it done. Yeah. Um, so just so you know, prior to building, you building a custom home, the thought of owning a custom home was not even in my head, but the, the seed was planted that day. That's, that's cool. the, that's the kind of effect that you've had on me. And, um, it was sort of, I'm very, I can get very motivated by what I see is, uh, uh, you know, somebody I, that I love wants something. And so. Marcia came home one day and was 
came home from a Bible study, and she was bragging on the house that it was at, and uh, went on and on, and I said, well, it's not as nice as our house, because we had a kind of a nice house on Spruce that we had rehabbed and everything, and they, there was a little pause, and she said, well, Bruce, it, it's a custom home, and I went, oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> And ka-ching, ka-ching. That's right. Well, and the next the next day, I gave you a call and said, "Do you know? Because uh, the the house was going to be on Piedmont, but across Hawarden." And I asked you. I, I gave you a call. I said, "I'm I'm going to buy a custom home lot. It's in it's off of Hawarden." And then you said this word for word. You said, "Oh, that's where the doctors live." <laughs> man, yeah. that made my day, man. Uh, the Rodeo Drive of Riverside, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. for you to say that, man, that was pretty cool. Uh, so uh, I went into the escrow um, for thirty-four grand uh, in a thirty-day escrow, and I was thirty-four grand short of thirty-four grand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too but funny. but in that thirty in thirty days, because of the you know the real estate stuff that I had started to do, I I bought that lot. So that was uh, that was pretty cool, man. And just like what you just said, I mean, there's a day that you just go, wow, I'm actually doing it. My dad and I walk through the framing of Piedmont and it really hit me. I said, wow, this is, this is actually happening. And uh, How exciting. Yeah. And, yep. and you were the person that planted that seed, man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um. You know, you and I have been competitors in various sports. We've, we've played racquetball. We sparred in karate. And I know you won't remember this, but when you took karate, you kind of you hit it really pretty hard, and you kind of you got your blue belt ahead of me. And you surpassing me re-energized my commitment that eventually led to the black belt test. That's really true. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I remember being there when you graduated. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I remember you awesome. taking, a, taking a picture of me completely soaked in that uh, gi down to my ankles. <laughs> but uh, for whatever Sometimes. reason, that may never have happened without you have you for whatever reason, you've uh, you have the ability to bring out the best in me. Oh, and that's uh, I just want you to know that you really have had a big impact. Um, I mean, custom home, you think think some of these big life pieces and maybe maybe they would have happened otherwise, maybe not. But Whatever, whenever you and I do something and we agree on a, like a bet, and we've never really bet money. We've always bet something. Uh, it's, <laughs> there's like a click in my brain and it's on, you know. But most of the time, it's, I mean, it's been really friendly, great competition. So that's been really cool. You um, mean like selling flowers on Arlington and Van Buren <laughs> Avenue and giving the proceeds to your favorite charity? I'm like, that is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, something like that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's you're the reason I got up at five this morning walking on a treadmill because we have a date March 22nd that uh, I got to meet. So it's I, it's it's gotten serious now. And, and uh, don't doubt that I don't think about it constantly. You've never lost one of these bets. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's true. I, I don't intend to lose this one either. But fortunately, we don't really compete the way there has to be a loser. We can that's both right. We can both win. And that's, that's always been the spirit of what we've done. That's been, that's been pretty that's cool. That's the fun part. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, in 1981, I met uh, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn had a big influence on me and uh, kind of opened my eyes to 
the possibilities in life. Did, did you ever have a favorite business mentor that inspired you in that way? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm talking to him right now. Oh, are you serious? That, that I didn't expect. <laughs> um, you are responsible for getting me involved in real estate. Of course you are. Yeah. I think we probably did all six, eight handshake deals. Um, and then the one uh, LLC in Colorado. That's right. That's right. You know, Here's an interesting story. You, you don't know this happened, but it, when I, I go up to Colorado once in a while to, you know, look at that project and okay, you know, you're going to be there for three days, but most of what you have to do is done in four hours. I get a lot of time in your hands. So one night I'm sitting there and why, why I did this? I don't know. But, uh, I, I wrote down the criteria of a friend like, okay, this is, this is what I would have to have to say. That's a, that's a friend. And I literally went through all of the, the people that I acknowledged as my friends, even from high school. And I added one guy to the list, and it was you. Aww. You and I never had that conversation, but that's actually, that actually happened in, in, uh, when I was in Colorado one night. I was looking at that going, and of all the people, I mean, I was in the electrical business, you know, selling for, for quite a long time. You're the only person that, that we've stayed in contact, you know, because of that. We've become friends. Um, you know, real estate investing, you know, you've done, like you say, we did six or eight houses, that type of thing, but your main, your main real estate, uh, investment has been in, in industrial. Um, Correct. Yes. Now, now, why, why was industrial real estate, um, the goal or did it just sort of make, uh, was an opportunity just presented? Well, it started out as a need, uh, with city electric <clears throat> and I uh, was able to locate on five and a half acres at the time, I think it was 35,000 square foot industrial multi-tenant type stuff. And, uh, with SBA, uh, I took 50, 51% of that and then, uh, ended up refining that with another lender and turned those back into rentals, if you will. Uh, and then did an addition a couple of years later and ended up with 45,000 square foot. And, uh, there's 21 units, uh, at that particular property. Okay. Now, um, what was the year that you bought that? That was then 2000. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize it was that, uh, of course that's 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy that we're in 2020. Doesn't, doesn't seem like it. No. Yes. Okay. So 20 years ago, but uh, I'm trying to think. The economy was sort of certainly doing decently, but I'm I was bouncing off of residential. So how was how was industrial at the time? Was it pretty easy to fill a, a, a space or not? Well, I, at that time, I didn't have any finger on the pulse. You know, we're just kind of learning the ropes, if you will. Now, were, and, uh, were you occupying uh, yes. a certain percentage of it or all of it? Well, when we bought it with SBA, of course, uh, the law says you have to occupy 51%. Okay. That, I didn't, so, okay, I didn't know that. I, now I understand yeah. what the 51%. You owned 100% of it. You occupied more than half. I, I got it. Correct. And was able to uh, get an SBA loan based on my credit with zero money down. Okay. Wow. Uh, 
even though I had spent over a hundred grand uh, the year prior on this property because uh, it had some environmental concerns, and I felt that it would uh, they were solvable. So now, let, let, over a hundred thousand. You did that before you owned it. Before escrow ever closed. Yep. Whoa! I did not know that. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting, uh, now you didn't, you must've viewed that as a risk, but a a risk worth taking that no one else would. Is that maybe accurate? Well, uh, at the time, a very good friend of mine, uh, Robert (laughs) Blumenthal, right. uh, Who's an attorney. I got him involved in it. And he says, John, I I wouldn't touch his property with a 10 foot pole. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I said, no, no, Bob, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to move forward and just have a weasel clause where I can get out of it. If, uh, if we found some areas that were just, that I wouldn't be able to remediate right. that I had a weasel clause, but the seller would still be locked in. And that's Bob's responsible for putting that deal together. Wow. Now the <clears> seller, <throat> the seller was a, a bank or was it a individual? Actually, the property was repossessed by a bank right. and what they, that what they did was process asphalt. Uh, all of this, the crap that came out of gas stations, they would take over there yeah, and then uh, mix it with dirt and it became asphalt. That company went broke and the bank took it back, saw it as a big liability. Somebody came along, paid all cash for it, uh, sold it to me for a song and a dance. And they made a ton of money. It was a good deal. Okay. And then, uh, so you you didn't buy it directly from the bank. You bought it from a, a guy that speculated on it. Correct. Okay. Interesting. But I didn't have all cash, so I had to have a phase one, phase two environmental report. I don't know much about industrial real estate. Is it common to get nothing down financing? Uh, with SBA, depended on, upon your credit at that time. Yes. Okay, wow. Well, that's turned into a bit of a good investment, huh? Yes, it turned out to be a home run. Yeah. I absolutely love uh, the property management side. So you do Uh, that yourself? I do, yes. Okay. I would, you know, I guess I would think that wouldn't entail much time, but maybe I'm wrong. Is that that accurate on a commercial uh, or an industrial space? Well, in a multi-tenant, somebody's always coming and going. Okay. And then, because uh, it's on five and a half acres, there's part of its yard that are asphalt, fenced, illuminated. So rent the yards out as well. Okay. But you don't have any air conditioning or floor covering or roof leaks, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you when you get a new tenant or you get a vacancy, how often are you, uh, like a tenant improvement? So first of all, I mean, how does that work? Do you, as the owner, pony up for that? Or is that done by the person that's coming in saying, I'm going to rent it, but I'm going to do this to it? No, most of the companies that move in are somewhat startup companies. There's not a lot of improvements that are normally requested. Okay. Uh, uh, from me to make the improvements. Okay. Occasionally there will be like another at an office or something like that. What, what is the typical, um, how has the rent changed? So in 
say in 2000, um, well, let's go back up for just a second. 2000 to 2006, probably pretty good run for every kind of real estate. Didn't you buy something else about that time? You and I had a conversation and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. How funny. Yeah. I had just closed uh, escrow on a, another industrial building. It was one large uh, 40,000 square foot building. I uh, was going to chop it up and eventually did that. Okay. I uh, got nine units out of it, but I remember calling you. That was in 08. And I had lost contact with you for a while. I thought to myself, I've got the hang of this. I don't need Bruce anymore. Then <laughs> uh, I remember calling you thinking, oh, you're going to go, oh, nice job, you know. <laughs> and only as you can, you, you, you said those uh, two words. There was a little pause after I told you. And the next two words out of your mouth were, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, oh, no? <laughs> and then, of course, uh that was 08. We all know what happened. Yeah. Now, but but you managed to keep the building. Now, was that vacant for a considerable period of time or, or not? Well, that was a complete rehab. Put about another million and a half dollars in improvements and build out on that project. And I remember being on my knees praying, oh, God, just if it could only get back to where it was at one time, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, here we are today. And uh, we're back. Uh, more than back and you've, you've owned the right, uh, you've owned the right stuff. Now, when you say you divide it into nine, eight, eight or uh, nine units, that means it was just a shell and you had to build everything out inside. Correct. Yeah. I put up demising walls and, um, the office and restrooms for each respective unit. Okay. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE license zero one. 219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. 